It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 395? 395 of Locked On Raptors. One day I'll get it right uh, and actually note the episode before I start. Episode 395 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, October 11th. I'm your host, Shaw Woodley. Uh, RaptorsHQ.com. Oh my god, this is going to be a disaster pod, isn't it? You can find me on Twitter as always at Woodley Shaw and find the show at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every single episode. Of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network team focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, and a very special week on the Locked On NBA podcast this week. It's the NBA preview week. Uh, seven or so minutes from every Locked On host about their local team. Five episodes, 16th per episode. I'm on the final one that comes out on Friday, so you're probably hearing this podcast on Friday. So make sure after you listen to this one, you go check out the Locked On NBA preview. All five parts. Uh, the Raptors part will be the last or second last one that goes. Uh, but yeah, all you all this stuff is available on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel, of course. Make sure you're checking out the Locked skip On. Skip a realtor. Ah! You could skip having the paperwork done for you. Holy God. 
<laughs> did you hear that live that, that, that auto play? I did, yeah, very loudly. Right, I'm not editing so, that out because I think that was a very genuine scream of terror on my part. That was horrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyway, Locked On Podcast Network, we got the NFL shows going as well, the Locked On College shows. Uh, if you find a show on the network that you like, please subscribe, rate, and review. It's the best way to support the show. And if you do it for Locked On Raptors on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places, uh, it'll make me feel better. It'll really ease me after just getting the shit scared of me by that autoplay ad and, uh, you know, other things. It makes me feel good. It makes the ego nice. It makes the rankings nice. Locked on Raptors is in the top 30 right now on the iTunes rankings, which is like an all-time high. And that is uh, all because of you guys. So thank you so much for helping us get there and uh, now keep us there. It's, uh, it's, it's on you guys to keep us there. Not me to make good content, of course. It's on you guys to, to prop it up with uh, you know validation and all that stuff. Anyway, on today's show, uh, I don't know. Not really a plan for this one. I just wanted to have someone on the show who was at the Montreal game on Wednesday night. And that person is Russell Peddle. How's it going, buddy? Good. I definitely fit that description. It does. Nothing else. Yeah, you uh, you were there. You, I believe you were there with Dan Hackett as well. Is that true? That I was. That's the a- former Jersey uh, HQ uh, stat tandem. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Dan Hackett is, of course, still with Raptors HQ doing the cap stuff oh, yeah. and much more. You are just a number number fire now. No, I can't speak words at all. Uh, you're a number fire now. You can, working on you can sure run an, an, an auto run ad though. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Just just a number fire. I had to, for the sake of uh, my lifestyle, I had to reduce the uh, the writing and the podcasting to uh, to the minimum. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we could uh, carve out this little bit of time to talk to you. I'm feeling the uh, the reason my words are not making sense today, and the reason they're kind of just like all melding together, is because I'm very relaxed. I just played basketball for the first time in a while, and I'm tired, and it's got me nice and uh, and chill. It's cool. I like it. Um, first time I played basketball since I came in the uh, semifinal, made it to the semifinals of the Raptors Republic tournament, by the way, which uh, never forget that I was the last blogger standing. Anyway, let's get to today's podcast. We're just going to talk about the Montreal game and sort of what happened, Russell's takeaways. Uh, I'm going to pull out the box score again and hopefully don't get scared away by an auto ad once again. Um, and uh, just going to kind of go through it. First of all, like, how was the game atmosphere-wise? How's Montreal as a host city? Have you been to one of these Montreal games before? I've been to all the Montreal games. Cool. Uh, how does it hold up as an NBA venue? Well, um, honestly, I think it's grown. Like, it's been a few years since we've done it. Um, mm-hmm. We, My wife and I were trying to figure out when the last one was, and I guess it was about four years ago. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem like it was that long ago, but we last time we went, uh, she was pregnant with our soon-to-be four-year-old son, so that makes sense. Um Honestly, the when we, when we went before, I found like it was like everyone was just like, "Hey, this is a thing to go to." So, like, there were some passionate basketball fans there, fine, but I just meant the general crowd was kind of like, "Oh, there's NBA basketball in town, I'll go." Uh, last night felt like a lot. It was filled with a lot more like true blue NBA fans. Right. Like everyone was going around in some kind of Raptors gear or other team gear. Of course, it, it being a, a quote unquote neutral site. Um, there were some other like guys like in random Warriors and Rockets jerseys because they're like, yay, go basketball. What's the um, best jersey you came across? The most obscure, the, the, the most looking? The most obscure jersey I came across. There's definitely a good answer to that, but it's not coming to me right now. The most obscure Raptors jersey was a Terrence Ross one. Hell yeah, it was. It's not, <laughs> that's not obscure. I have the jersey at home. It's, it's not that obscure. They have them available. I, fi- I figured it was, it was you. I actually have to check. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
but uh, no, I mean everything was pretty was fairly uh, fairly recognizable. Like you had your Kevin Durant, you had your uh, LeBron James, you had your uh, yeah, nothing really stood out as as uh, the one cool one I liked actually was someone had a Kevin Durant Sonics jersey that I was Ooh. I was down with. That's yeah. a good one. That's good. Um, he, he was wearing that last week, which is hilarious because it's like a Thunder jersey that he was wearing at a Warriors game in Seattle. It's all it was all very funny. I don't know. It just hurt my brain a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, no, the crowd is more like last night was very like it was a basketball crowd. Knew like the chant MVP for for Kawhi. Uh, you know when you're in a, with a crowd, when you're in a crowd that reacts the right way at the right things, like mm-hmm. it stands out. And it I noticed the the, the difference quite a bit from the from the previous games that were held here like uh yeah it, it felt like more of a, a place where you could uh where you could have a basketball team maybe like it started to feel a bit more like that i know montreal is probably a, a, a few notches down the list of any type of uh moving or expansion but uh i've always whenever anyone's talked about it i'm like that's a pipe dream but last night for there was a a brief moment where i said like hmm, maybe maybe someday and like started talking to my wife about like if, if that happened, if I'd get in on season tickets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a thing yesterday in the morning where the, didn't Montreal like announce its plans to like make an application for expansion or something like that? Is that kind of in the works? Um, I haven't really kept up with that. I know that that's been mentioned anytime they come through here. Right. Uh, the kind of like Vancouver, or, or Major right? League Baseball. It, yeah. it, it, there's definitely a couple articles about it, and you know, a few politicians will will mention their their interest in it to try and. Uh, to, to appeal to their uh, to people, but I mean uh, I, I don't know how realistic it is. I have to to look that up. I I never really got the news on it today. Is it true that Montreal is kind of a weird sports city in that unless it's the Habs, which just draw well all the time, like it's pretty much a unless you're winning, I don't really care about you type of thing. Is that kind of the deal? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to gauge really because the the Habs are the only real ticket in town, right? And yeah. They still sell out no matter what, so right. it's, it'd be hard to, to to gauge how they would do with, like, say, a, an NBA team. The Expos are kind of a weird example, just because there's obviously a lot. There were a lot of other factors that went into into their demise, other than just like finicky fans. So, so I don't know. It would be interesting to see, though. I'm, I, I'm I know I'd be on board, and uh, judged by the crowd last night, I'm telling you, like a lot of just smart NBA fans, from what I could tell. Yeah, that's uh, that's exciting. It, that that I think probably speaks to kind of the success of these games, really. And I guess as the Raptors have branded themselves as like Canada's team, like I've always yeah, kind of been definitely. like, I don't know, do people in Saskatchewan really care about the Raptors? But I guess the the branding has kind of worked. If that is like within a couple of years, you're seeing that amount of change in terms of the like, the, the knowledge of the fans. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's also probably going to help that we've got some like NBA caliber. Or borderline player like players now now getting involved in the league yeah. from the area. So right, yeah, yeah, that's very true. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, let's talk about the game. The sure. The game was uh, kind of ugly to begin with. Lots of turnovers. Kyle Lowry had a really rough night. He had five turnovers, as many 
as he had as many tur- as many turnovers as he had points. Um, Kawhi even wasn't particularly sharp offensively. He, I mean, he had seven assists, which was really cool. Also, four steals and a block. So he's always going to have a, like a floor of production because he's an insane person who does things on both ends of the floor, which is wild. Um, but just 11 points from him, 3 of 12 shooting. Uh, you mentioned the MVP chance, which were kind of hilarious and awesome. Anything from this game that... And legitimate, though. Like, Isn't that yeah. cool to, yeah. to actually, to, for people to be making like non-ironic or not like <laughs> hyperbolic... Uh, MVP chance, like, when they first heard it, I was like, yeah, could be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. It's, uh, oh, the Leafs just scored another power play goal because, of course, they did. Oh, Austin Matthews, my son. Anyway, uh, <laughs> 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 I'm, re- I'm recording this while the Leafs are playing. Also, while the Raptors are playing a game, they are currently playing the Pelicans, but it's not televised, so. Uh, because I'm not, say, I love that there's a Raptors game on right now. Yeah. We're on a Raptors podcast, and neither of us are watching the Raptors game. Because I'm not a criminal, I'm not watching the game. Because it is uh, illegal to watch games nefariously on the internet, and I would never do such a thing. <laughs> I'm not watching it because I got my preseason fill of watching uh, Lorenzo Brown run around in circles and last night. Oh, you were sitting so... next to Dan Hackett. Uh, what, what was his yeah, response agree, to Lorenzo agree, Brown? Because he's him, Lorenzo yeah. Brown's number one nemesis. Yeah, but last night was a perfect example of why. Like, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> wait, Lorenzo Brown had a nice one. game. What did he do? Uh, Lorenzo Brown. He was two for nine. Oh, he was two for nine. Uh, a, a million, he? a million dribbles, and uh, during your period, like, okay, you got to understand, like, the game itself was cool. Like at the beginning, of course, you get to see the. The starters, and you get an idea of the rotation. But then, as as the Raptors pulled away, and you get later in the game, it was just kind of emptying the bench and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, what really stood out is, of course, uh, Boucher being a Montreal uh, native. Uh, the crowd went like the biggest cheers of the night were for him uh, coming into the game, and anytime he touched the ball, mm-hmm. and hope, hoping that he would get a hoping that he would get a basket and stuff like that. And it was funny because he, he was forcing it. It was hard. It was hard to get. To, the, the, that first basket, but there were a lot of opportunities where it seemed like I think that anyone would have given him the ball, and just like it was funny because as people were clamoring for him to get the ball, it felt like Brown was just kind of like dribbling around him and not looking for him. And mm-hmm. it was like, come on, guy, like it's this guy's town, get him involved. Yeah, I thought it was a good move by Nurse. Obviously, because this was sort of, I think, a dress rehearsal game, at least to begin with, I don't think we were ever going to see him start the game like Kyle Collinsworth did in Utah in his home state but um, nice nice move by, by Nurse to put him in with like 7 minutes left in his hometown, it's pretty cool Boucher's a really sure. cool story man I hope he gets a two way for the rap from the Raptors, like he's of all the guys they have kind of kicking around camp I know Dang Adele had a nice preseason um, I don't think Collinsworth is particularly interesting, I'd like to see Boucher get that uh, second two way along with Jordan Lloyd, just kind of hang around and uh Come in, be a little bit of big man depth. I mean, I'm not sure how much of like an NBA player he really is, but he uh, has a couple of nice skills that you'd like to have in a big man, if, even if he's a little skinny and not at all strong. <laughs> a couple yeah. takeaways I will I will uh, say though, since that was the original question that we kind of yeah. jumped over. But the uh, the defensive pairing of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green, even in a preseason game, like it was very noticeable and the kind of effect it had on everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this was the Nets, I know this was a preseason game, but like, Leonard having four steals, uh, Green having five, they were very active on the defensive end. Uh, Green couldn't miss, he was like six of seven from three. Um, 
and it's funny too because like you know Leonard was obviously the big piece in that trade, but like Danny Green is a solid starter in the NBA when he's on, and I think uh, I think there's a lot like every time you look at the lineups, and then you you know you bring Siakam in, you bring Delon Wright in, you bring Fred VanVleet, and you you get all these different combinations of players, and it's like man oh man everything is so switchable and intense on the on, on that end of the floor like there's I think there's like really like top three defensive potential from this team this year right yeah I'm with you I think uh there have been some times where I think just maybe just because they're kind of new and learning each other there's been some like signal crossing on defense oh, so sure, far yeah, in the preseason yeah. but like there have been quarters I think the second quarter against Utah was one the third quarter last night was another where like there are going to be stretches of games where teams just can't score because they're humming on defense and there's a unit out there that for whatever reason is particularly clicking and those are going to be terrifying. Like they outscored the Nets 35-11 in the third quarter last night. Um, like there are going to be yeah, a lot like of those. Ibaka I think. Five, Ibaka had five blocks and they were like they weren't lazy blocks. They were like he went out and got it and like I don't know, man. Like if they can re-energize him too to play alongside Leonard and Green, there are a lot of good things that could. Uh, come from this so I, I got really excited for this season honestly watching last night it was just a preseason game and you know it, it patters on at the end but uh, but uh, no there were, there were a lot of I had a lot of fun more, probably the most fun I've ever had in a preseason game to be honest with you and uh, largely because it was you know it was great to see Leonard in person in the jersey to prove that it is actually true <laughs> um, but just to kind of get an idea of what we're in store for uh, this season I, I'm, I'm pretty pretty jacked the Abaka starting at center thing, I guess this is maybe the most newsy thing we can talk about or the, like the most NBA season, like regular season relevant thing. Abaka starts at center with Lowry, OG, Leonard, Green. Uh, I figured those four are kind of expected, Lowry, Green, OG, and Leonard. Like even OG and Leonard, those two together defensively is going to be just ridiculous. Like that threesome of Green, OG, Leonard is going to be just so goddamn terrifying. Um, but Ibaka, I think, was kind of surprising to see get the start in what kind of seemed like their last dress rehearsal game because tonight, like, they're just running out, um, like, the bench guys, right? They're, they have, like, seven guys oh. not playing. By the way, 28 minutes uh, for Pascal Siakam against New Orleans' A-team. And uh, Siakam has 21 points, 11 boards, 6 assists on 6 of 14 shooting, um, 3 steals. I love Pascal Siakam. He's going to be He's awesome. He's a boss. My God. <sighs> So excited. Anyway, um, that was a weird groan sound, but hey, once again, a genuine response to something on this podcast for me. Uh, This is unfiltered stuff. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Um, Abaka starting at center. 
He played 20 minutes. He had five blocks. He had that one insane block early on in that game. Um, and 13 points as well, 5-9 and nine shooting. He's done this weird thing where he'll come into games to start and he looks just like totally lost or uninterested, kind of like a lot of last season where Serge would come in and be like, yeah, am I feeling this game? Not really. I'm going to either not play very well or get, get ejected just to go sit down for a bit. Um, whereas like in the, the last couple games where he's come in, he's looked sort of out of sorts to begin with, but then he kind of gets into a groove and looks pretty good. And... I don't know, what are your, your sort of thoughts on him playing as the starting center with this lineup? Because I I, was, I kind of assumed it was going to be Jonas all along for a couple of reasons. I thought Jonas pairing him with all of that defensive talent in that starting five that we've alluded to would sort of shelter him a little bit and make him more viable on the court at all times and just make him less likely to be played off. And I thought Ibaka, because he you know is a good rim protector and kind of can replicate what Jakob Pertl did defensively last season. I mean, not quite to the degree that he could, just because Pertl could switch onto the guys and kind of was a bit more rangy and mobile. But as like a sort of a guy who can just be like the defensive backstop for the lineup, I thought Abaka would serve that role well. And also, he's a nice offensive option who can kind of sort of do a little stuff off the dribble now. Like, not much in the way of passing, but he can like put it on the floor and take it to the basket. And he can also hit a three or just like work in a pick and pop. And that could be very useful for a lineup, the bench unit, that kind of had some struggles in the half court last season. So for all those reasons, I kind of thought Jonas was going to be the guy to start with the, with the rest of the starters. But Abaka's gotten that call a couple times in the preseason. And if last night was a dress rehearsal, it might hint that Abaka is going to be the guy. What are your thoughts if that is the case as of Wednesday night against the Cavs? I think the big thing is I'm... I'm really pro Valanciunas at the start of games, right? Um, and because uh, I think he he brings a, a lot to the table early, like to establish the game down low, to uh, to get some rebounds, uh, to to keep uh, keep momentum going. But the um, Dan Hackett made a really good point last night, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it and try to make it sound like it's my own. I, I won't <laughs> quote him on it. But, you uh, can read one of Dan's 400-word tweets uh, yeah, from yeah, last night after the game. <laughs> he made a good point. Is like one of our biggest complaints, I guess, when the team was under Casey was that, like, especially in the playoffs and stuff like that, is that um, the Raptors were always the team that adjusted to the other team, right? Like in terms of matchups and changing the starting lineup and all this different stuff. And you kind of wish some, that, that they would just dictate their own terms, like say, like, okay, we're like not not change who's starting at center because of who's starting for the other team, but say, like, look, we 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 know what we're doing. We're going to go with this. And even if you change the guy after starting at center after a few minutes um, and, and switch up your lineup, at least have that consistency and guys that know the sets together and know who's playing which position at any given time uh, off, the, off the jump. But, like, I think that type of consistency, you, you, you rarely see the teams that are very successful with a lot of, uh, like, the nightly... Uh, uncertainty of, of the starting lineup so I hope that it will settle into something whichever whichever one it is I hope it settles into that being that somewhat consistently at some point because um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of consistent uh, starting lineups and, and not messing with that too much and over over overthinking things and getting almost too cute and like I said the, the main thing that Dan said that the whole like we're a good enough team why not dictate our own terms that's fair I do think 
like I don't mind if they change up the starters just because, especially early in the season. Like I'm okay trying some shit out. It's early in the year. There's not that much on this like at stake. This isn't a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. Maybe seeding will be important down the road, but like they're good enough that they could rattle off some wins if they you know drop a couple early on. They've done that the last couple seasons where they've started like eight and six, and then they kind of hit their groove. So like if Nurse is going to kind of try a few different things early in the season, I don't disagree with that. Even I think. The idea of Nurse trying stuff out is kind of the difference between him and Dwayne Casey. And I don't mind the idea of Ibaka starting at center. Obviously, there are issues. He is not quite as, you know, as much as it seems on paper that he's a much better defender than Jonas. Like, I don't think he's, like, a drastically better defender. I still think he's a better defender, but I don't think he's, like, you know, far and away a more, you know, less likely to be, you know, picked apart by opposing offenses. And, like, he's probably more liable to fall asleep for a couple possessions here and there in a way that Jonas wouldn't, but like the upside of having Ibaka there is like a, a, a nice deterrent at the rim. I, I kind of like that. I also think the rebounding, while it could be an issue, I think Leonard's a really good rebounder for his position. I think OG, he had five boards last night. Like I think he can be an okay rebounder. Obviously, you know, Lowry's an amazing rebounder from, from his position and Green can be a good one too. So like, I think they can gang rebound enough, especially since most teams and even this season with the rule change where the offensive uh, shot clock gets put back to 14 on the, on an offensive board, like that might discourage teams because that possession is inherently like, going to be like less valuable because there's just less time to get a good shot out of it. So maybe that just even sort of accelerates the trend that's been kind of infiltrating the league the last few seasons where teams just don't crash for offensive boards. So if you're not worrying about that to the same extent that maybe you would three, four, five years ago, I don't mind having sort of a rebounding light lineup out there because... I do think that like this is going to be a lineup that is going to be extremely hard to score on. And if you have a Baca at center, he's not the same efficient scorer that Jonas Valanciunas is in sort of the, the dive man role, but he's a nice pick-and-pop guy. And, you know, if you have five legitimate shooters, and like Jonas, yes, he shoots threes now, but it's more of a gimmicky three than anything. It reminds me more of Amir Johnson than it does of like an actual three-point shooting big man. So if you have five legitimate shooters on the court at all times, like, that is nice. That's a nice thing to have. That's There's going to be a lot of space for dudes to do work. And so I don't mind seeing if it works with Ibaka at center. I really don't. I think Ibaka's best at center. I think I like either way. It seems like we're going to see mostly Ibaka and, and JV soak up those minutes at the five, and there's not going to be a lot of Monroe mixed in, which is good. And so I don't mind, you know, again, like I don't think Nick Nurse really knows what ter- what his terms are going to be. So for him to dictate them right from the start, I don't think it's super realistic. And like I do think people are getting a little bit bent out of shape out of the starting lineups or whatever, or the rotations or the lineup, you know, decisions for, for the preseason. Like it's the preseason. Relax, people. It's, it's, all, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Um, but even then, if, if Nurse kind of fiddles around with some stuff the first month or two, I don't mind that at all because, like, this is a thing that Dwayne Casey didn't do. He would kind of get the rotation that worked and then not really experiment after that. And then you get to the postseason and it's like, all right, will these guys work together in this pinch? I don't know. We haven't tried this out at all. So my my that's a long-winded way of saying, like, I don't particularly care who starts. I think the starters, yes, consistency is nice and all, but, like, this team's good enough that if they're not super consistent in the first three minutes of game, they're still gonna they're still gonna win games. Like it's not gonna derail them and, and sort of hinder them from you know reaching their lofty win total that they're likely to get. Um, so in the interest of just like seeing how different lineups work in different junctures of the game, 
seeing how Ibaka works against opposing starting units as the five, seeing how Jonas works against opposing starters as the five, seeing how they both work against benches, like, trying all these different iterations, I kind of think makes a lot of sense. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, anything else from this game that interests you in particular? Any player who stood out to you? Um, no, I mentioned Green earlier. Um, Siakam always, but he, I mean, he wasn't big in this game. He had a lot of turnovers and stuff. But uh, just watching him move around, like you, the the you can you can see the the raw talent there all all the time. I find. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it was just a it was a really good time. It's uh, it was cool to be uh, in the crowd there for the crowd to be doing like I said before smart basketball things uh, just uh, having that atmosphere so close to my home was was really something uh, I, I just love the idea of having basketball in my city and it, it gave me the chance as I said earlier to daydream about that and to, to feel like what that would feel like and uh, just also really excited for the team so no overall it was just a great night out and uh, yeah I hope I, I hope I get to do it again someday if you could pick one NBA team that you think should relocate to Montreal right now. And you have to factor in, like, you have to watch this team. So you maybe don't want them to be too bad, but also maybe they don't really deserve to be moved because they are good or whatever, or their fans are particularly rabid. What's the one team you would circle as, like, the one that you would hope would cause the least amount of fan disappointment in its own town to be moved to Montreal while also being a good product? Mm, that's a... Tough question. Because it would have just been like the magic if I if you were just picking a team, but I'm not allowed to, letting you do that. <laughs> okay, so what what are the criteria again? So just like the team that you think would be leave the least amount of people sad in their own city, but also like should move, like probably like and you'd be happy to watch it. Like the, the the criteria is very vague. I'm just saying, don't pick the super easy bad team because you have to watch this team. Is what I'm saying. Okay, well, a team that should move is kind of hard to come by. Um, it's hard because in that case, it's hard not to say like the Kings, but then they got saved. And like they're um, the only the, thing Sacramento has, dude. Exactly. Like that's uh, rough. The Magic. I mean, I don't think any team should be should be moved. Like I'm gonna. This is a cop out answer, but like the league can expand. The, the pool the pool of talent is getting big enough. I think that we could take two more teams. Hmm. Uh, my answer is the Denver Nuggets. Oh my god, I'd love to have the Denver Nuggets given to me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> because no one goes to those games. No one cares anyway. Oh, um, comparatively yeah. to like other teams in the NBA, I don't think like they have a pretty rough attendance, pretty quiet crowd, and they're a Broncos town through and through. So if you took the Nuggets out of Denver, especially now that the Rockies are pretty good, the Avalanche made the playoffs last season. Like I, I don't think the footprint that the Nuggets have in Denver is quite as large as a lot of these other teams. Like, a lot of these teams are the only pro team in that city. Denver's yeah. loaded with pro teams. So, I would say the Nuggets would be the easy move. Jamal Murray's yeah. the easy sell. He's Canadian. Nikola Jokic seems like Montreal's a very European-style city. Maybe Jokic would like it there. I would move the Nuggets. Yeah, very very multicultural. I, honestly, the Nuggets is a great answer. Very well very well uh, chosen there, but I would... Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I Denver. take the Denver Nuggets and make them the Montreal uh, routines. <laughs> I'm sorry, Denver. Uh, I'm sorry, Locked On Nuggets host Adam Marez, but Adam, you get to move to Montreal now if you really want to. Um, by the way, hey, while, while we're talking about... Clubs. 
Well, we're talking about Lockdown Nuggets. Adam did a two-part podcast, documentary style, with Will Barton. You should definitely listen to oh, awesome. on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Uh, Lockdown Nuggets, subscribe, rate, review, as you would with this podcast. Um, I think that's going to do it. We've covered this game pretty extensively. I had a yeah. nice big rant about Serge Ibaka starting. I don't mind it. I know it's not ideal. I know it's not putting the best five players on the court. But, hey, the Raptors have a lot of good players. And cycling them in and out is going to be hard. And ultimately, I don't think whoever starts really matters compared to who finishes games. And I think that's going to be kind of a night-to-night thing. I'm sure a closing lineup will establish itself. But um, the Raptors have a very good problem on their hands in that they have so many good-ass players, it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, yeah, that's going to do it. Russell, anything you want to plug right now? Uh, I'm doing lots of fantasy basketball content at Number Fire. Just released a bunch of... Sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Uh, recap of our league, uh, our uh, our writers' league draft, and uh, got actually working on right now, which should come out tomorrow. Uh, Ten bold fantasy predictions for the 2018-2019 season. Right on. That sounds good. Uh, I might have to use you as my my guiding light as I host the Locked On Raptors Fantasy Basketball League. I happily. Uh, oh yeah, I'm bad at fantasy basketball. I'm real, real bad at it. I don't particularly enjoy it, but I wanted a way to interact with the listeners. So I'm going to be in this league. So you're going to be my go-to inside source on uh, who not to add because I will probably add bad people. I will probably pick up Terrence Ross at some point just for fun. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Russell, this was great, man. It was great talking to you again. We'll get you on back during the season. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places you get podcasts. Uh, ratings and reviews are very nice. Once again, we're doing really well in the rankings right now. I want to keep that up. It's uh, it's really awesome. We have like 130 something rankings right now or ratings, which is super cool. Uh, thanks to everyone who's taken the time to leave one. If you haven't yet, it takes like five seconds and it's very very helpful. And you can also read my Kawhi Leonard season preview on Raptors HQ. That went up yesterday, but I'll keep plugging it because I think it was pretty good. So please check that out. And we will uh, talk to you tomorrow. I'm not sure what we're going to do on Friday, but we'll do something. Talk to you tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.